Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Incredible morning already. I'm so, gosh, I just love church. I just feel like even that last song, I'm like energized and excited and um, pumped and and um, excited for what God's doing. I'm excited because there's a lot of you here today. So thanks for coming. I, there's a lot of new faces that I, I haven't met before. So I think I, you know, Michael and I, we'd love to meet you guys if we haven't yet. Sorry. But um, yeah, welcome to El Cajon. So, um, yeah, we are in our relationship series, and I think we have a couple more weeks of it, or maybe one more week. Um, and so today I'm going to be talking about relationships. And it's important because, as Pastor Michael was saying, we're all one family, we're all one church, we're all friends, and we make people be friends. Like, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't say you don't like that person. No, you need to be their friend. Because in a family, we all have to get along. And so even though we want to all get along and relationship is important, sometimes we need help with how to do that. Sometimes we need reminders. Sometimes we need to remind each other um, on, on the things that we should do. And we know relationships are important to God, so they should be important to us. And I would say it is of premier importance that we work, work on how we are seen by others in our relationships because in our workplaces and when we go out into the world, we might be the only connection point that people have with our Heavenly Father. So whether or not they want to be our friend or want to visit our church d- depends on how we treat them and um, how kind we are. And, and, and it's not even just sharing the gospel with them, but if you're, some people will say, gosh, you're so kind. What is it that... You know, you're so nice. Why are you so generous? Why are you so happy? You know, and, and then you can share with them. Is the door opened? So how we act in the world matters. And so it's important to always sharpen ourselves. So every year we have relationship series. In the summer, we have marriage getaway. So you can come there and um, work on your marriage. We talk about a little more in-depth things. Um, and it's all good. Okay, so we are going to be reading from Genesis today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 3. I'm going to be reading a little bit of scripture here. Um, and so we're going to start here. Genesis 3, 3, the temptation and the fall. Okay, now the serpent was shrewder than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, is it really true that God said, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the orchard, but concerning the fruit of the tree, fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the orchard, God said, you must not eat from it. You must not touch it or else you will die. The serpent said to the woman, surely you will not die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree produced fruit that was good for food, so now she sees that it was produced good fruit, and it was attractive to the eyes, and was desirable for making one wise, she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, 
and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord moving about in the orchard at the breezy time of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees in the orchard. But the Lord God, God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And the man replied, I heard you moving about in the orchard, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Strange. And the Lord God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you gave me. She gave me some fruit, and I could not not take it. <laughs> so I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman replied, the serpent tricked me and I ate. Gosh, pointing fingers every direction. It's your fault. It's your fault. All right, let me pray. God, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you that, that you have taught us in this Bible how to live, how to live with others, how to get along with others, and how to not listen to the voice of the enemy. So we just thank you, God, for this message today. And we just pray it falls on fertile soil and takes root. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so this is, there's a lot in this passage of scripture, and I love Genesis. It's probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. There's so much that happens in Genesis. We're only in Genesis 3, and this is already happening. So um, if, you, if you're not sure where to start, start in Genesis, and um, hopefully you're reading the, the Bible in the year. Right now we're in Leviticus, and it's, uh, let's just say I will not be preaching on the book of Leviticus. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know. I, I need to ask God, God, why, why every year do we need to read this? <laughs> I, and, and the only answer I ever feel I get is, that's why I sent Jesus, so that you don't have to give burnt offerings and do all of these things that we shall not name. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you every day that we don't have to live through Leviticus. Amen. <laughs> Okay, so the title of this message is Relationship Matters. Relationship Matters. And I'm going to help you today. We're going to talk about six things that matter to be fruitful in relationships with each other and with God. Okay, ready? Taking notes? Okay, I might say a good thing or two, so maybe. All right. Okay, so the first point, my first point, the first thing that is important and matters in our relationships are our beliefs. Our beliefs matter. So what we believe, our core values, is our, our filter, what we, what we look through, to, to, that shapes our world. Everything that we see in the world, it comes from what we believe. And especially when it comes with our relationship with God, how we view him, and our personal relationship with God. So do we view God as a distant God? Do we do, view God as a harsh God or, you know, the, the servant that hid the money? I knew you as a harsh, you know, master. You know, how do we view God? Do we, do we view him as our healer? Do we know that he's a healer? Do we view him as our, our comforter? Our, what do we see him as? And through this view of God is how we live our life. So it's really important. The, um, Mike Maiden said at a RISE conference, the devil can't defeat us, but he can deceive us. And it's so important that we, we know our belief system or, or know what we believe is in, in that solid so that it's harder for us to be deceived because he will try to deceive us in different areas of our lives. And this is what happened to Eve. The serpent said, is it really true that God said you must not eat from the tree? So he's questioning what she knows about God. And Eve swallowed that lie about God 
when he says, you will not die, she, she swallowed that lie before she took the fruit. So her belief system changed. So when he told her that, she started questioning, actually, I don't know if that's true. Do I really believe that about God? Or what did God really say? And, and so she believes something in error before she sinned. And so I feel like a lot of times we do that. We'll believe something that's actually not true, and we make a mistake. But beliefs are generally formed in two ways. Either we learn from our, on our own, from our own experiences, our, our um, deductions, or by accepting what other people tell us is true. And so a lot of times we can learn or have an education from people that have gone ahead of us. And, and they give us wisdom and say, actually, I would not step there. That's going to that's gonna injure you. I wouldn't go down that path. I've been down that path, and it ends in hurt or pain. And so, and so sometimes our belief, sh- you know, our belief systems are sometimes changing and forming, you know, as, as we go along in life. And that's okay. You know, we test things against the belief system. If, we, if you hear something in church that you're like, that goes against my belief system or what I think is true, and um, you can go to the word. This is, this is the truth. So ask God. Okay, God, I heard this. I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure, you know, and so go to the word. What does the word say? Test it against the word. And so, uh, and so I feel like we're constantly learning and growing and, and adding and subtracting from our belief system, you know, and, and that our core beliefs might always stay the same, but there's things around us, circumstantial, that we can adjust to. And, and so um, this is how we go through life. And, and so our convictions come from these beliefs and, and, so this is where I, I give the, the caveat, be careful not to judge other people on, on their belief systems or, or things that they think are true. And the Bible says, um, do not judge, for you too will be judged. And then this is where I talk about where God corrected me, or I guess that, you know, showed me that, that I should not judge others when it regards to their children. Because before I had children, I used to see little kids or, I don't know, families, and I would think, how are their kids so dirty? Or why does that kid not have shoes on? Or why, why are they wearing that? And, and like, I, this is real life. I would, I would judge that. And then fast forward, I'm a mom of three boys. And I'm like, how do you keep them clean? Like, how? It's impossible. So I'm like, I am so sorry. All those, the judgments I made, God, yes, thank you for correcting me. And I want to show you a picture of, of, of my kids and the shooties kids. Okay, so these are our cute kids. These, these are um, the shooties kids, and then these three are my boys. So Noah, he's a little perfect angel. He actually, like, is a really good at grooming himself. Like, he kind of cleans himself, so he's kind of the cleanest one. Dylan, the dirt just kind of blends in, like, with the, with the, with the brown he's wearing. But he's, he's actually the dirtiest one. He's, well, he's the one that, like, wears his food. Like, if he ate something, it's on his face. And I'm like, you don't feel that, that it's on there? <laughs> so that's Dylan. And then Grady's just, you know, he's just dirty right here. But, but a few hours before this picture was taken, they all had haircuts from Mike, and they looked perfect, and they were groomed, and they had pomade in their hair, and they looked so cute. And then three hours later, they go to the Emerge Ranch to help them, the guys prepare the conference, and they, I get this picture, and I'm like, Wow. And I'm just sharing this with you to be transparent. Like, don't judge, because watch out. (laughs) It's going to come back. And as much as I try to have clean children that look put together, it's impossible. And I think it's because I judged. So (laughs) don't do it. 
Don't do it. Yeah. So, so don't judge other people because you never know. And even if it's a judgment in your heart, I don't think I ever said that out loud to someone or some, yeah. But, um, but it's good. So our belief systems, they, they grow with us and change. So when you have children, they learn from us. They watch what you do. They watch what you say. And they grow and continually learn. And so that's why bringing them to, to kids' church is important. They learn how to pray. They learn about God. And especially our kids' church here at Awaken Church, they learn how to pray with authority. They learn about the tithe. They learn, um, you know, to pray for healing. When, when someone gets hurt, they're immediately like, in Jesus' name, you know, healing, pain is gone. You know, and they, they learn this early on. So it's training. You know, we train them up. Train them up that they should not depart from it. But when they get into their teen years, they start to, you know, they, they, they don't take everything you say as gospel anymore. It's good. Because then they test it against what they hear. So they hear from the world, and then they're like, okay, well, my parents taught me this. So, and then they start to test what they've heard from us against what they're hearing out there. And it's in, I wouldn't say it's a scary time, but it's like a critical time for them because they're trying to figure out, you know, it's not just like a belief system that they put, we put on them, but we teach them, but then at some point it becomes their belief system. So, so it's really good um, to be with your kids during that time to answer their questions, be honest as you can with them so that, that you know, they know that we're being truthful. And, um, and so when they grow up, they, they can test what they hear and be like, actually, that's not true. And, and, and they'll be able to discern the spirit behind things too because we're training them to do that. So it's really important. So belief matters. And why this is important in relationships is, is just that. So raising kids. So when you choose to marry someone or looking to date or looking for a relationship, you know, there's going to be some non-negotiables, I'll, I'll tell you, that in belief that matter. You know, a lot of things, maybe they are not a non-negotiable. Maybe you have a different, you know, temperature setting on the thermostat. That's okay. You know, you're going to survive. Your marriage is going to be Okay. But there's some things that, that are a non-negotiable or um, we're going to see you in pastoral care with the shooties. So, um, so let's be wise about that. So, all right. Okay, so belief matters, point one. Point two, positioning matters. So positioning, and we talk a lot about this in this, this church, or at least I feel like I do, because being under authority and covering matters, and, and it's so important. I think I talked about it last time, too. But when we obey God's commands and his principles, we remain under a covering or under an authority in his protection. So in Genesis 3, uh, 2, 24 to 25, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and he unites with his wife, and they become a family. And the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. And at this point, so they are under covenant, and they're under, under covering. And then they eat from the tree. And then in Genesis 3, 10 through 11, God called out and says, where are you? And the man replied, I heard you moving about in the orchard, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So there was at some point and a, sep a separation. So when they took from that tree and there's a separation that occurred, they came out from underneath God's covering. And, and so, you know, before they were happy and frolicking, you know, no cover only God's covering on. And, and so after they sinned, all of a sudden, the shame came on them. So it was almost like they, they were under this 
covenant covering with God, and then they took for themselves, and now they're left to left open and, and exposed, you know, and they recognized it. Nobody actually told them, he says, nobody told them you're naked and now you need to be ashamed. It like came on them because they came out from God's covering. And so it's such a powerful picture of what happens when we step out from God's covering. And they even tried to make their own covering and, and the shame came on them. And it's just, gosh, it's like, if we could, I mean, if there's other, ever one part of the Bible you could like reverse, <laughs> Don't eat it. Don't eat it. <laughs> but it's okay because God had a plan. That's why he sent the second Adam. He sent Jesus for us to restore that relationship. So we're going to talk about that at the end. But um, it's, it's, it's an important principle about staying under covering. So in the home, the husband is the head of the home. And so the wife is under his covering and the children under his covering. So if your children are having nightmares or struggling or, or got into things they shouldn't have, the, the dad, the husband, can take authority over those things because they are under his covering. So he can pray for them and, and cover the household. And, and likewise, Pastor Jurgen, he is the spiritual covering and head of this church, Awakened Church. So every campus that's happening and um, every platform is under his covering, which is why I'm able to stand up here and, with the microphone because I'm not on my own, under my own covering, but I am under multiple coverings, including Pastor Jurgen, who is the head of this church. And I am up here under his, like, under his authority, which also gives me authority. So if you had questions about why there's women on the platform... We, we, we don't want to operate from out under, under covering ever. And so um, just know that um, I am under his, his authority and covering. And, but correct order and submission is important because we're in a kingdom. And so in a kingdom, there's proper order. But it's interesting, the world, they want to just turn everything upside down and either dismantle it or tear it apart or flip it on its head. They don't understand um, this principle. And they want to... Um, I guess, demolish anything type of order that is from God. So 15 years ago, we're about to have our 15-year wedding anniversary, Michael and I. We, uh, we had our wedding vows at the Marriott Marquis, which is where Cherish is going to be. So that's kind of cool, going back there. I got married there. And so we had our wedding vows. It was beautiful. Pastor Jurgen married us. And... I went back to work after my honeymoon, and my coworker, we were sitting at a table for lunch, and she's this older lady, a little bit grumpy, and an atheist, and she goes, she goes, I cannot believe that you said in your vows that you, were, you would submit to your husband. She's like, I cannot believe you said that. Why would you say that? Ha, 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 that is so dumb. And she was like mocking my wedding vows. And I was like, I was so angry, and I was gonna cry, and I wanted to punch her in the face. And I was like, this, I, and, I, and I was um, 25, I was about 25. I don't know, I probably would have reacted differently now. I probably would have said something back to her, but at the time I just was kind of quiet because I was so fuming. And I thought maybe a lightning bolt was like gonna come and hit her, you know, like for mocking a godly covenant, you know, arrangement. But, but I, I was also really sad for her because she didn't understand the power of a covenant and agreement. And so I felt sad for her. I'm like, wow, what, that, I'm actually sad for you that I was thinking it, that she, that she couldn't understand how um, powerful it was that when you say that. But, um, 
But saying that you're going to submit to your husband, it doesn't mean I'm signing up for, like, Michael's the dictator in the home. Like, I have to listen to anything. He's not the boss, you know? That's not what that means. It, it means that there's, there's, there's an agreement in the covenant that he is the head of the home, and that, that, but that with that, with that um, position also comes responsibility, a weight and responsibility for protecting the home. So he's actually the protector of the home. He's actually watching after us. It's not... And so this is where the world gets it wrong. They think, how can you put, you know, someone to be over you? But it's actually not like that. You're as, like, it's, oh, goodness. I'll just read the Bible right here. Ephesians. <laughs> Getting fired up about this. See, right here, Ephesians 5.24. But as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husband. So, so this is, you know, license. You know, this is asking the wives to be um, submissive to the husband, okay? That, you know, that doesn't mean they do everything right. It just means that that's the way it should be and the order should be. But then husbands have a role too. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So, so this is, you know, really important, this dual two verses right here because this is the picture of the church and then it's also a picture of marriage. And that's why I love the Bible so much because he doesn't want to set us up for something that is impossible or, you know, too hard for us to do. He models it for us. Everything he asks us to do, he first models. So it's just such a beautiful scripture. So it is important to, to understand the, the covering that comes when, when you come into an agreement in, in a marriage and, and also with Christ. So, okay, that's point number two. Very good. Number three, point three, time and intimacy matters. So we preach a lot about great men of the faith, Joseph, David slew Goliath, Abraham, man of faith, you know, all of these people who did amazing things. But, you know, and, and I feel like it really builds our faith to believe for things and, and where we can see really God with us and empowering us. But I want to mention um, a couple other people just because the Bible says they walked with God. Enoch, Genesis 5.24 says, Enoch walked with God and then he disappeared because God took him away. Just one day off to heaven, you know? And so I just love that because we don't know, you know, Enoch, we don't, he didn't, you know, do like slew a Goliath or take down a city wall like Joshua, but he walked with God. What a beautiful way to be remembered. Noah, he did amazing things. He built an ark, saved a nation. Genesis 6, 9 though says, Noah was a godly man. He was blameless among his contemporaries. He walked with God. So beautiful. And Levi, later he's mentioned in Malachi 2.6, it says, he walked with me, God is saying, in peace and integrity, and he turned many people away from sin. And I just love this because, you know, we don't just champion the people that have great faith, but here we see the people that their nearness in fellowship and relationship with God brought favor on their life. And you know that they were God's favorites. And, and this also tells me he's not a distant God. He, you know, Emmanuel, he's with us. He's right next to us. He's a very present God in our lives, and he wants to walk with us. It says in Leviticus 26, 12, I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. I'm signing up for that right there. Thank you, Jesus. 
So, so we can have great faith. We can come in here and believe for great things, believe for miracles, and say all the right things. We can, we can have the right speech. Even, I feel like we do have like an awakened speech, you know? It's like, yes, like, come on. We cancel that report, you know? And we can, we can say the right things, you know? But I've been feeling sometimes that we're, we're displaying and teaching you guys how to say those things. But is there the intimacy there as well? Because you can say the right things, but does he know you? Are you walking with him? You know, and so I feel like we have to backtrack a little bit, as a, at least, I wouldn't say as a church, but God has showed me this. We have to backtrack a little bit and get back here. Like, okay, it actually comes from this quiet time. The reason why you can say these things with authority and power, because, you know, we say all the time, God's word is in our mouth. It's powerful because it's God's word. Yes. So all these things that we know how to say, but it stems from a intimacy with God. And so do we have an understanding of who God is and an intimacy with him? And that comes with spending time with him. It's, it's, he's here. This is him. This is in, in this book. He's right here. You all have one in your pocket or on your lap. <laughs> but as you spend time with him, you get to know him. You start to love the things he loves, hate the things he hates. You get to know that God has a sense of humor. He'll surprise you. There's, there's things that um, he does that I'll, he'll remind me of things, and I'll just laugh. Just, and, and I feel like he's just showing me just to put a smile on my face. Like, and, and so there's a relationship there that is so endearing and, and so um, special when we get to know him. And our friendships are the same. So who we spend time with, uh, you know, we get to know their likes and dislikes. And so I know Abby doesn't like bubbles. She doesn't like carbonation. Stan's not here, but he doesn't like mayonnaise. And, and Christian Verrilli, he doesn't like sesame oil. So, so don't give them those things, okay? But, but those are not things that you're like in the lobby of church and talking with someone. Those are not things you learn. Like, hey, I'm Stan. I don't like mayonnaise, you know? Like, you don't learn those things about people on that kind of level. You learn those things about people by spending time with them and, and learning those. You know, they come out in conversation. It's how you do life with people. And, and so... It's just, it's, it's so beautiful um, when, we, when we start to have those intimate moments with God, we get to see little things that he likes and dislikes, and it's just so fun. It, it really is such a beautiful relationship, so spend time with him, get in the word, and you'll get to know him. All right, amen on that. <laughs> All right, number four, point four, action matters. What we do matters. How we behave matters. It's not just good intentions, but what we actually do. So when we learned last week, Pastor Jurgen shared with us God's seven love language. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it. It's really good um, about the seven things God loves. Um, and there's also a, a book on love languages that, that I feel like every married couple or dating couple should read. It's really good. Um, I, I don't know if it's helpful in a sense where it's like, this is, I'm this, you know, but it does help you understand like ways to be able to bless the other person and, and think of things actually. I never knew that acts of service was a way that you receive love. You know, some people that's, um, you know, they do, you know, so anyway, go read the book. It's really good. But all that to say is it takes action. You can't just think good things or pretend good things or intend good things. It takes action. So we need to follow through on our word. So if we're a friend, we need to be a good friend. 
If you say, I'm your friend, and they call you and say, will you come pick me up, you know, from the airport, you know, say yes, you'll pick them up at the airport. That's what friends do, you know. So, like, be someone that people can count on and trust. If you're, don't be flaky. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Okay? Yes. So, this is, this is how people learn to trust you and how relationships are built. So, be a person of your word. So, and, and people will come to church and looking for God and needing something. So they'll come to church and, okay, I, I'm really struggling right now, so I need to get in church, and we're going to believe God for a miracle. And then, and then a miracle happens. And then they leave church. And it's like, where'd you go? You know? And it's like, our, our actions matter, and, and friendships matter. So let's look after each other. Let's call people out when they need it. Let's encourage people when they need it. Let's pray for people when they need it. And let's be a good friend. So Pastor Jurgen likes to say, how you got her is how you keep her in a, in a marriage. So if you won a girl over by flowers and fancy date nights and whatever, fancy walks on the beach, then guess what you're going to be doing for the next 80 years of your life? <laughs> flowers, expensive dinners, walks on the beach. Because, because, you know, that's how you got her. And that's what she's going to be expecting. That all can't stop the minute you get married. That's not what I signed up for. But I, I like to say that, that Michael, I don't know if it was wisdom on his end or what happened, Holy Spirit, but Michael never took me out on dates. You laugh. He didn't. We, we would go bowling or salsa dancing. Well, I think I planned those things. I, I, think, I think I planned those things, right? It's okay. I like, to do, I like to do things. My love language is play with me. Like, take me to bowling, take me to an escape room, take me to volleyball, take me skiing, play with me. But, um, but um, Michael used to cook for me. So, so when we were dating, he would invite me over, or he would say, I'm cooking steak tonight. Do you want to come over? I'm like, yes, <laughs> I do. And so we never really went out to restaurants. I don't think we ever went out to restaurants. And, and so Mike would cook for me. So guess what? He's got to do for the rest of his life. Cook for me. And I signed up for that, and I am so happy with that. Thank you, Jesus. And um, if you're single, look for someone that can cook. <laughs> because... It's amazing. But um, so, so that's, that's how Michael gets to keep me. But, but actions matter. So continue to do the things that, that give you the results. Or if you haven't seen the results yet, continue to sow because the results will come. What you sow, you're going to reap, okay? So keep sowing in. Keep speaking into your spouse the things you would like to see out of them. You know, you are a champion. You're, you're a mighty man of God. You are so brave. You are so handsome. You are so fit. You know, all of these things. And, and husbands, speak over your wives. Michael speaks over me and um, nice things when I'm going to sleep. And, and he, he says all of these beautiful things that I am. And it's, it's, it's like speaking and prophesying. And, but you're, you're planting seeds. It's like watering a plant. And it's cute. I haven't told this story in a while. Michael had like a little plant in his office room. Oh, he's still around. Okay, she's still around. I don't know what it is. It's a plant. But Michael, Michael talks to the plant and like spurts it with water. You're so pretty. Your leaves are so. 
<laughs> like tends to the plant. It works, he says. So how we, how we take care of things and look after things, it matters. And there's actually studies on, on the words we speak over things even, how, how it actually changes their, their character of their composition or whatever. I can't think of the word. But um, it's actually really important. So, so action and, and um, say the right things, do the right things. Okay. How are we doing, everyone? You with me? Okay. Where are we at? Point number five. All right. Faithfulness matters. Faithfulness matters. So love is when you prefer someone else's preferences over your own. Staying the course, staying in a marriage, staying together in a relationship, not because you have to, because you want to, because your heart is connected to it. And I feel like I shouldn't have to say faithfulness is an important part of marriage. I feel like that's a no-brainer. So, but, it, but faithfulness is championing your spouse and not comparing your spouse to other things. We always want to believe the best about them. And so that it's like tunnel vision, you know, like my t- I only see Michael. He's the only man that exists. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and, that, and that's faithfulness. <clears throat> But I just, I just love that God always shows us how to do something so that we can also follow him. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your being, and all your strength. And we show faithfulness to God through our love and obeying his commands. That's how he sees faithfulness. But in 2 Timothy 2.13 it says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful since he cannot deny himself. And God models faithfulness, but even if we fall short, which we will, we're not perfect, but, but we have a blueprint on how to do things well. So even if we fall short, even if we lose faith or mess up or trip up, there's grace to cover that. And God says that he's always there. It doesn't matter what you've done or, you know, anything in your past. It, he's there and it's okay. And I just love that, that faithfulness is a decision that we can be a good steward of what's entrusted to us. And, and this is how I like to model my life, you know. It's how I want to be remembered. Lisa Marie Hunley, faithful disciple of Christ, faithful wife of Michael Hunley, J- John Michael Hunley, and faithful mother to Grady, Dylan, and Noah, and faithful friend. If I get to the end of my life and I get to the gates and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I will, I will have a great life if I, that happens to me at the end of my life. Amen? Gosh. If there's anything I'd want to be known for is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Staying the course when it's hard. Staying the course when it's not easy. And, and, and helping others to also stay faithful. And, it's, and it always takes a sacrifice. Faithfulness, it's, it is preferring something above yourself. And that's why I feel like, you know, serving in God's house is such an example of faithfulness because, you know, Jesus came as a servant. And so it's almost like we get to work it out here. I need some water. Mm-hmm. We get to work it out in church together. And so I just love that, that we have God's idea of church and we get to um, be together. It's so beautiful. Something's in my throat. <laughs> was that, maybe I wasn't eating anything. What is it? <laughs> All right, almost done, almost done. Gosh, worship matters. And the Lord God said, 
Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? What voices are you listening to? The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. What are you kneeling to? God's been speaking to me about lordship and about anything that, that I will not bow to anything except the one true, like the true God. And I feel like this is so, so important. Worship matters. I could, you could also say lordship matters. And I feel like um, early in my 20s, I, I struggled with um, anxiety and, and fear. It like controlled my life. And, and I remember during that time, first of all, I was really annoyed because I, 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 it was an attack from the enemy, but I was really annoyed. I'm like, this is so dumb. Like in my brain, I was so cognizant that this was, that this didn't make sense, but why was I struggling with this? But I still was like, had to work it out. Okay. Even though I knew it was like not from God. So I'm like, what is going on with me? And so, but I was so fearful that I found myself not wanting to do things or go places because of my anxiety. And so I remember making a decision. I'm like, okay, if I'm not going because of fear, then I'm going to have to go. Like, I'm going to make myself go. You, you do it afraid. And so I remember there would be times where I'm like, every, like, warning, warning, like, Lisa, if you go this way, something bad's going to happen. You're going to have an anxiety attack, all these things. And then this way is like, you can stay at home and be safe. And then I remember those moments. I'm like, well, I have to go this, like, I can't. I have to go this way. Like, I would not let it dictate my life. I was, like, so annoyed. And so for about a year, I, probably about a year, I lived like that. It's, it's crazy. And looking back, I'm like, how? Like, I still don't even know. I need a deliverance. When I got to this church, I wasn't in this church yet. <laughs> but I needed a deliverance from fear that was actually from, passed down from my grandfather, which was activated. That's what happened to me. But I remember, like, it was a choice. Like, in that moment, fear was trying to be Lord over my life. Fear was the strongest voice. Fear was the dominating thoughts in my mind. And I'm like, and even though I was fighting this thing, I knew it was wrong, like, but it was still battling for the loudest voice in my mind. And I remember making a decision that I would not lose, like, I would not bow to this thing. It would not win. And I feel like there are things in people's lives today, here, where there's something that is that dominating voice. Whether it's an addiction or um, to, like, pornography or alcohol or drugs or any of, anything else that is, is a dominating thought over your mind, or it could be a relationship or a person. So you can, these are idols. These are called idols. So anything that you, that has a louder voice than God in your life is an idol. And, and that is an improper place for that. Number one, it's unhealthy for your life, but, but God says there shall be no other gods before me. So when even you pretend that that thing has a power over you, you need to dethrone it. And happy news today, okay? God's already dethroned all those things. Okay, We just have to remember and activate it and, and tear those things down. So I'm going to pray for you for that at the end of service because it's really important. But, but, um, so, but holy is the Lord. That song, holy is the Lord. I will give you all my worship because you're the only one who's perfect. I love that song. And... It's just this, such a beautiful picture that it's like, when you think about it, nothing is more important than that. 
you know? And, and so when we go through struggles in life, when things distract us, and problems, we will face problems. It's normal. <laughs> but when we face problems, does it bring us towards God? Or does it distract us from God? Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. So what voices are you elevating above God today? They could be thoughts, attitudes, people, your job, your money. Money's a big one. You know, if, if during the tithes and offering message, money's saying, you can't give because you... X, Y, Z, can't pay your rent, can't pay for that. You know, that means that you're listening to money. That means money's your master. So we, we're going to pray off that too. You know, I mean, there's one thing, if it's wisdom, use wisdom and discernment. But if it is controlling your thought pattern in an unhealthy way, then we need to renounce that thing. But every time I get into a struggle or I feel like I'm, okay, in a problem, the sooner I can bring my problem to the foot of the cross and surrender it to God and say, okay, God, this is bigger than me because he's Lord of my life. I've decided to make him Lord over my life. So when I bring him things like, God, like I give this to you, guess what happens? There's an exchange that happens. The problem, I release it and peace comes down and I can sleep better at night I feel better in my day. And even though the problem's not gone, it's not like he's not like a fairy where he can like put fairy dust and disappears. No, that's not what happens. He equips us to get through the things this side of eternity. And honestly, I feel like half the problems we go through is God trying to strengthen us. Like, I, I'm like, this is not the, like, I feel like people give the devil too much credit. Like, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. Actually, I feel like the fear thing for me, it was the devil. But other things, <laughs> that one was, was a spirit. But I feel like we give him too much credit. Sometimes God's just like, I'm just trying to make you a little stronger. I'm just trying to make you a little more robust. I'm actually trying to get you to go to church or read your Bible, you know? And so he, he's not, yeah. He's not going to bring us to something that he doesn't already have the solution for us. So trust him. It's going to be okay. This is why we have church, why we have friends to help us through. And, um, and so I just want to close now. I think I'm over time, so let's all stand. And I, I just feel right now that there's, there's some people here that they haven't made Jesus Lord of their life, that, that maybe at one point they did or they said, God, I want you as my Savior, but has, have you made them Lord? Have you made him Lord? Have you, is he the only thing that, that the premier voice that you're listening to. And so I just want to pray right now, if, if you feel like there's something that is between you and God, like there's a blockage or, or something that is out of place or out of order in your home, I'm going to pray for you. So you can just put your hand over your heart. God, I just thank you, God, for each and every person here. I thank you, God. You see every person with their hand on their heart, God, that, that right now on this day, there's, we're drawing a line in the sand that, God, you are going to be Lord of our life. We dethrone the principles that, that have been plaguing us, that have been taking up our thought life, distracting us from our mission and purpose that you've called us, God, that, that that's what they are. They're distractions. They're trying to keep us captive. It's like right now, it's like, I, I, like I, there's like been a rope tied around, and I feel like right now he's taking scissors and cutting the rope 
He's freeing you right now in the name of Jesus. The bondages are coming off right now in the name of Jesus. Addictions are broken. Thought patterns are being renewed. That, that you are going to be having the mind of Christ. That when those thoughts come in, take them captive. That, that they are no longer going to consume your day. They are no longer going to consume your life. And, and as we do this, God, that, that the trajectory of their life is going to change in the name of Jesus. So I pray right now that, that, that we put you back on the rightful place on the throne, God that we trust you and love you in, in Jesus' name. And I want to pray right now for anyone who has never accepted Jesus into their life. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is the whole purpose why God sent Jesus down from heaven to restore what happened in the, the garden to repair that separation, to reverse the curse. So if there's anyone here that wants to restore that connection with Jesus today, can you give me a wave so I can pray with you? Who are my friends that want to re reconnect today? God is here. I see you. I see you up there. Thank you. Anyone else? I see you. I see you. God bless you. I see you over here. The hat. I see you. God, I just thank you for every person's hand raised, God, that, that you sent your son, not just for our salvation, but for a relationship with us. God, I thank you that today their lives will be ever ch forever changed as they come into an intimate walk and relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.